This is Valerie Van Boeven with the Senior Care Industry Netcast, where leaders with three or more years of experience in the senior care market share their advice. So let's get to it. In a few sentences, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I am Bobby Carducci. I am a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I lead a caregiver support group. I'm the co-host of the podcast, Roger That, guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. But the most important thing I do is educate caregivers on how to respond to dementia behaviors. That is really nice. And so I'm going to make sure that Roger that and all your other information, your websites and that are all with this video so people can tune in and listen. Um, <clears throat> so dealing with dementia behaviors uh, <laughs> can be really challenging. I always use my dad as an example. My dad is very docile. He's a very kind person. Um, he started with, out with vascular dementia a few years ago. And uh, as a result of lots of things, uncontrolled diabetes, stroke, he's had bypass, blah, blah. blah. So, um, and it was shocking. It was shocking to see the change in his behavior. And um, he uh, was, he was, um, I guess, he didn't do anything necessarily to anybody, but he was very threatening. Um, and, <laughs> and so that was not like him. And dealing with dementia behavior like that is, and he took off. We actually had to call the police. He, he walked off down a trail and he was gone for probably six hours. Wow. Um, we didn't know that's where he went, but eventually we figured out where he went. So anyway, um, he's straightened out now. He's, he's much better. He is on medication, but it took a long time to get him there. And now he's, you know, still has dementia, but he's very you know, back to being funny and kind and reading and, you know, he's not threatening at all. And so anyway, it can be challenging. It can be scary. It absolutely can. And that's one of the things that uh, so many people who come into the care caregiving world for the first time don't understand how this person that they've known and loved for so long is all of a sudden behaving very differently. And I hear these questions all the time. Is this normal? Is anybody else dealing with this? <laughs> and what happens is sometimes the person, the caregiver thinks that they're doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and they're absolutely not. I mean, this is a devastating long-term brain disease and their brain is in control of everything just like ours are. <coughs> so if we can look at it, <coughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, you're right. <clears throat> From the point of view of what is it that's upsetting them and how I can make that more comfortable for them mm -hmm. and ramp down the tension. That, that's the absolute first thing that you want to do is whatever it is to make them feel more secure. Yeah, I think, I think in hindsight, we also noticed that um, as we told stories to each other about his behavior over the even the five years prior to us knowing that he had vascular dementia, um, there were outbursts and weird things that happened, weird things that he had told me or he would have like an episode of anger that was really strange and it would dissipate and go away. Um, and 
and those I, I if I I often wonder if other people notice that once they have a diagnosis and they understand what their loved one is suffering with, if they look back in hindsight and think, yeah, the last five years, these weird things would happen. And that was probably a precursor to where we are now, but nobody ever knew it. I mean, my dad told me some crazy stories that never happened. And he believed wholeheartedly that they did. And he had a couple of really angry outbursts that were completely unlike him. And then we go back to being his normal self. So, um, and the whole family witnessed this, but we never put it all together that there was something else wrong because it was sporadic and. Yeah, it's usually, you know, you mentioned five years. It could be even longer than that before the first um, brain connections start um, popping in and out like a flickering light bulb or being disturbed completely. Um, So what what you're describing is you know, definitely progression of the disease. And a lot of us don't recognize it until it's become so constant that you can't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. And one thing I like to tell caregivers as far as they're telling stories about things that never happened is the brain is a wonderful storyteller. It is. (laughs) Um, And I compare it to, you know, having a very vivid dream and we wake up and our heart is pounding because something frightened us. Um, but when we wake up, we are able to tell the difference between being awake and, and what our brain has told us, and they can't do that. So they absolutely believe whatever it is that they're telling you, and are telling them that that didn't happen or that's not true is only going to make them suspicious of you. Yes, yes. He has told me, even even um, in the last couple of years, told me a story that, you know, and here we are full on dementia. And knowing that, but cl- clarity, like and detail, like amazing detail that uh, about the story about someone who came to visit him, and it was an old friend, someone I knew I had met, knew when I was a little girl, and he told me this entire story, and and I was like, oh, and I talked to his wife, and she was like, uh, that never happened. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, uh, one of the people, <laughs> like, yeah. I totally believed it. And I knew he had them, but you know, I mean, but he was so, he was so on it. I mean, he's totally knew Absolutely. what he was saying. And I was like, wow, one that's of, nice. <laughs> one of the women that was uh, in my caregiver support group, uh, her husband absolutely insisted that he was at, a, he was at Obama's inauguration. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So things like that are, um, I mean, he can still tell me a story to this day and it's all these details and people that I know who he's talking about. It's very possible that it happened and I'll, and, and he doesn't do that so much now, but it, uh, when his medications are off or perhaps he needs a medication change, um, it's very, uh, he, uh, you know, very, uh, it's amazing how, how creative the brain is. He should write books. Um, so, okay. So I'll get back to my interview questions. I know we got off the topic. <laughs> I love discussing this when I can relate to it a little bit. What is the best thing about serving aging adults? Well, you know, quality of life is so important. And by working with families, both the person in care and the caregiver, I help them find ways to, um, really appreciate the moments in the 
what I call moments of clarity in those that special time they have together. I very often tell caregivers as difficult as it is day to day to understand that you are giving them many more good days than they would have had otherwise. Right, absolutely. All right, well tell us what other successful leaders in the senior care industry or maybe organizations uh, that you've been a part of or been around, who has made a difference for you or what organizations do you think are doing a great job out there? Well, Denise Brown of the Carriers of Academy, who trained so many of us in, in this world, is one of one of the people that I always refer to. And she was the very first guest on our podcast. And she's, um, she's been with us too. I love Denise Brown. So awesome. That's great. Uh, Danelle LeBlanc of uh, Caregiver Transitions. And then, of course, um, Brooks Kenny of Us Against Alzheimer's, those three, and so many more. I mean, I could go on all afternoon, um, but each one of them is really reaching out into the caregiving community and helping others find their way into this world so we can help so many more. Yeah, absolutely. Great list of people and all our, our mentors and uh, folks that have really helped just thousands of people in their careers and lifetimes. So, all right, I let's talk about online marketing a little bit. Now you have a podcast and I'm sure you have a, a website and all of that. Online marketing can be challenging. And in the last year in 2020, it was really hard. Um, we can't, we couldn't really network together. I know things are changing now and getting better. Um, but we're all still, I think we're all still a little leery, <laughs> especially depends on our age. Um, and, I, you know, I think I went into a restaurant with my husband yesterday without a mask on. Now we're both vaccinated and, you know, we have low occurrence here. We're in the Midwest in the middle of the United States. We're not in a big city necessarily. And um, I said, we just walked in here without our masks on. And he said, yeah, we can do that now a little bit. I said, yeah, a little bit, but I don't know about Walmart. Um, but so, um, so it's getting better, but certainly may have a little ways to go. So online marketing has become pretty important. And I think even just from a technology perspective, Zoom, uh, podcasts, all of these things have become more prevalent in our lives. So um, how has uh, how has online marketing changed for you? Or what well, in, in a weird way, it's become easier because so many people are using Zoom that they never did before. And because it's international, are able to reach people in a number of different countries, which, which absolutely helped. But, you know, having that one-on-one -on -one communication, you know, if you're doing a workshop and you have people that are in the audience who are able to, you know, share their emotion in a way that they don't online, it's, it's stifled it a bit. But I think the more that we continue to reach out to each other, not only in the United States, but also across the world, um, the more of us that are doing this, the more we can educate people and more we can have an impact on these families that are coming. We, you and I know the tsunami is not only coming, it's here. And millions of people across the world. This is another pandemic that's not getting the attention that COVID did. And I understand that because the people that are dying from these diseases are dying slowly. And, you know, the impact isn't 
And what I call, we are an army of millions who are doing this one at a time. So we're not as visible, yeah. um, but this work that we're all doing is so important in, the, in doing things like this, you and I supporting one another and putting the word out about Denise and Danelle and Brooks and all the other people that are doing this mm -hmm. is, has an immense, immense impact in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I, I do agree with you. There, a, the one-on-one -on -one connection um, is challenging still, and you really do get a more uh, impactful sometimes message in a conference where you can see someone live. I mean, anything live is going to be more impactful, right? Um, but, but the but good one of the I, ways that I that I overcome that to some degree, and I um, is with the either Zoom or one-on-one phone, -on -one phone calls with caregivers. So they can tell me exactly what's going on that's upsetting them, that's challenging for them in that day. And together we can work out a way to deal with it to lessen the impact and the stress in their home. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, and, and Zoom has, I think there's been a lot of really good things that have come through all of this. You're right about being able to reach out and speak to just about anybody in the world who has an internet connection um, and to all of us learn together, those of us who always have had an internet connection for the last several years, as long as you know we've been adults, uh, understand how to use more technology like Zoom. Um, those things are, are awesome. And then, um, and, and eventually we'll get back to that, you know, being able to do conferences where we all attend. And that's probably coming for a lot of people this year even. Absolutely. And I think Zoom also helps us to reach out to the millennials and, and the other younger people mm -hmm. who believe that somebody my age just doesn't understand technology or, <laughs> or what some of their challenges are. And I think that's that's brought us back together, too, because one of my goals is always to reach out to diverse communities, whether it's the LGBTQ or the Hispanic community or a community of young adults who feel like we don't understand and we're not there for them and we and we are because there's millions of them mm -hmm. that's true that's true it's uh nice um it, uh, the seniors that are older than me that are able to use are we, they're very resilient so if we look at our baby boomers um extremely resilient group of people who've in a lot of a lot of times and in a lot of cases been through way more than than this pandemic brought to them. So um, they're very resilient people and the learning curve is pretty short for most of our seniors. They're, they're willing to learn, give them yes, the device. Definite, definitely device. flexible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, what piece of advice would you give to other senior care providers? Um, I think it, we've kind of touched on it to reach out to one another for for support. Um, every time I participate in a workshop or a conference or a Zoom meeting with somebody in this world, I learn something every single time. And we're not competing with one another. We're all here for the same goal. Yep. And I am happy to share any knowledge that I've gleaned. And I am happy to say, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Thank you. Um, I think the more we support, the best thing we can do is support each other and see that we are a community of caring individuals. Yes, we can never, uh, you know, being competitive, you know, 
it, it has its pros and cons and, and truly there are so many people that need assistance and need help and need outreach that yeah, there's plenty of work for all of us <laughs> right we'll never run out of things to do and people to see and people to help so there's really no competition i mean it's as many people as you can um, bring into your fold and assist in your lifetime it's you know the sky's the limit if you think about it that way i firmly but, believe that service to others is the rent we pay for being here yeah <laughs> really i do i totally agree I, i'm a you know a nurse by trade and service to others has been my entire adult life. And so it's definitely, um, I think as we perpetuate and continue that in whatever way we can, that's awesome. All right, last question, supposed to be a fun one. Some people are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> when you have a win in life or in business, when you celebrate, how do you celebrate? Well, I have do my Snoopy happy dance in my kitchen Yay. With, with a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. That's and good. then I continue because every time I see a smiling face or we have an aha moment for a caregiver, that's a celebration for me. Mm -hmm. But definitely the wine and the Snoopy happy dance. That's perfect. That is a perfect. It's my first Snoopy happy dance and I'll take it because that's my one of my favorite characters. So awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby, for being on the show and for sharing your wisdom with us and for sharing um, about yourself, your show and all the things that you do for caregivers. So thank, thank you, you so much time. for having me. This has been a delight. Let's stay in touch. Yeah, let's do.